Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Once upon a time in a land filled with hobbits and men, Tony and Marty were lured into collectible card gaming by the Lord of the Rings. While now they enjoy many other types of games, they still love their pre-constructible deck games. That's why in this episode they are excited to review two new expandable card games, The Versus System and Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born. Time to stop shuffling and start dealing. Here we go! Hey, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And this is episode number 74. Do you believe in magic? Well, do you, Marty? Now that I have that earworm in my head, uh, I guess I do now. Do you believe in, in magic? magic? Da, na, 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 na. Okay. Sorry. Okay, you, you've got the vocal skills. I definitely do not Actually, have Actually, I do not have the vocal skills, but anyway. Is that why you're on the keyboards in the back, man? So that, That's uh, exactly right. That is why there is no mic in front of me when I play. There's a reason why they don't put a mic there. First off, thanks to everyone, everyone who has participated in the Dice Tower Network contest. We have had a tremendous, tremendous response over at the BGG Guild. I think we've given out... Buku Geek Gold for micro badges, and I hope you people are sporting those badges. Yes, please do. Yeah, I, I am overwhelmed by the number of requests we've had for free micro badges. In fact, thankfully, some of our other listeners have actually chipped in gold because, Tony, I think our coffers would have run dry. All of a sudden, there's some really nice people in our guild that started chipping in 100 here and 100 there to help us keep us going. So, a big thanks to those people who are doing that because we've, like you said, we've given away a lot of badges. And the thing is, we have three different badges, right? We've got our logo badge, we've got our Moon Pie Squirrel badge, and this is the regular Moon Pie badge. And some people want all three of them. And I know there's not enough room. I mean, maybe when the new BGG gets designed, I know you saw those um, leaks of the new screens. Maybe you can pay gold and get, oh, let's display 10 badges, 15 badges, 20 badges. That'd be kind of nice to do. It would be. Take up a lot of room, but yeah, yeah, it would be. So we are so thrilled, as Tony said, with the response to the contest. We've got a lot of new people on our on our Facebook page. We've got a lot of people in the guild now talking and discussing, and that's what we wanted to do, Tony. We wanted to try to build the community and have a place people can come together and just talk about games. But we do need to do one thing, Marty, and that is do a quick clarification on the contest because there was a slight miscommunication from the mothership. Um, the, the satellite transmission was garbled when we received it, and it was not, I repeat, not $1,000 in the ultimate giveaway. We're giving away only 50. The $1,000 was a typo. We'll go with typo. How's that, Marty? Tom said, uh, that's totally my fault. Put all blame on me. We did receive an email saying it was a $1,000. Instead, it's 500 That's still good, though. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can do a lot with that. And I mean, oh, and don't forget the Google form survey that's out there. Go back and look at episode 73 links um, on our webpage, Rolling Dice Taking Names, and you can get to that link. Um, we've had over 200 entries there, Marty. So, you know, keep them in. Remember, everything you do, if you go listen to 73 on all seven that you can do, and those will count as seven entries if you hit them all. If not, hey, 
that's all right as well. One's better than none. No, that is absolutely right. The thing is, though, if you're listening after uh, August 25th, then, you, you know, contest is over. But we'd still love you to have have you join the, the Facebook page and the Guild and all that good stuff, too. And we'll keep giving out free micro badges if people want them, even after the contest is over. That's right, because when this is released, that's it. That's the last day. So if you didn't listen to us on Tuesday, well, you're SOL. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it is. I mean, we can't make this last forever. We would love to make it last forever, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, the mothership said we had to cut it off at some point, and that was the uh, the cutoff point for us. But again, we're, we're so thrilled, and thank everybody that has jumped in and signed up. And Tony, just jumping quick to this episode, I am so excited about this episode. I have been jonesing to do this. This episode is right in our wheelhouse, as we're going to be reviewing the new game Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born from Plat Hat Games, and the Versus system from Upper Deck. You and I got into this hobby because of CCGs and card games. Ah, this is you and me right here, buddy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is a fastball right at the thigh-high level. I'm taking this one deep, baby. She's out of the park. There's no doubt about that. I'm just I'm sitting back on this one, and we're going to kill this. And if we don't, our bad. it could be a a a whiff and a miss yeah swing swing and a miss there you go (laughs) but before we get to that there are a couple things that we want to cover real quick tony i've got like a couple games you want to talk about and you got a couple things that you want to talk about it's like darn it if we just had some sort of way or mechanism or segment to where we could just throw out a couple quick ideas and, and still kind of stay on track oh if we only had that and now it's time for Flying Squirrels, short discussions on topics that have our attention for now. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Well, looky there. We do actually have a segment where we can cover things quickly and, and kind of stay on track here. This is Flying Squirrels, and if you've never heard this, what we do is Tony and I take a couple topics, and we'll spend two minutes, just two minutes, talking about each of those topics. And at the end of the two minutes, you'll hear this sound indicating that our two minutes up and it's time for us to move on. So, Tony, you ready to get started? As always, I'm ready to duck and watch out for them squirrels flying out of the trees. All right, well, here comes the first squirrel. I was able to procure a copy of Fields of Arl, which is a Z-Man game designed by Uwe Rosenberg, and I got to play it this past weekend. Now, I've only got to play it once, and I've heard a lot of great things about this game. This is a two-player game only. In vain, or not in vain, but in, in... Similar fashion, it plays like Agricola or plays like Caverna, uh, where your goal is is you're trying to plant some fields and gather resources and maybe put some animals together and get them to mate to make other animals and be able to use those animals to create other resources like wool and food. It's a straight Euro game, but I was really interested in trying it with Vanessa uh, because she got to play Agricola recently and she was like, Tony, it didn't really blow her away that well. She thought it was okay, but it wasn't anything that just really knocked her off a rocker. Uh-huh. That was Agricola that did not blow her away, not Fields. That's correct. So I said, well, let's let's try Fields, which was kind of a long shot because that's not a very cheap game. So I, I brought it in here, and we sat down and we played it, and both of us really, really enjoyed it. It's really cool because it takes place over the course of uh, basically nine, six-month seasons. There's a summer season and a winter season. And, Tony, it's a worker placement, straight 100% worker placement. You actually take your workers and put it on something, and there's a summer uh, action. There's a winter action. There's 15 in each of them, and each six months you place your stuff. We really enjoyed it. The only thing I couldn't figure out, Tony, is I don't understand why it's just a two-player game. 
each of us were looking for these mechanics that would say, well, this could only be two player, but I, I just couldn't see it. Well, it could be. I mean, that's not a cheap game, like you said, Marty. So maybe that's all they could produce and keep it at that cost. <laughs> well, I saw that you could have more people and just reduce the number of actions per person. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, the first time I got to play it, we enjoyed it. And we're not just going to leave it set up on the table and take a couple actions each day. So, Tony, I think you need to try it. Fields of Arlen, if you're looking for a great two-player game in the vein of uh, Agricola or Caverna, you need to try it out. All right. So, Marty, you know me. I, I love, I've been trying out all these two-player games because of the emptiness thing. And I can't wait to give Fields a try. And to, I, I hope that maybe you and I can play it uh, coming up in one of our game days and I can say, hey, yeah, that sounds good. But so I went out, you know, I've been buying all these card games lately along with these two parts. And I got one and I'm showing it to Marty on the screen. It's called Stitchown. It's a German game, S-T-I-C-H-E-L-N, and people make fun of that. They know I can't pronounce any game, so that's why I spelled it for you. So go look it up. But it's a card-playing game, Marty, and it's like our— Stilchen? It's not Stitchen. No, Stilchen. Okay, Stilchen. That works for me. Okay. Okay, I'm good with that. But anyway, it's it's Opishaw inverted. So— I thought, oh, man, you know, we love playing Opishaw. We love playing that card game. Donna loves that game. But this does the opposite. So you play it, and what happens is the lead suit is winning, and it's all based on colors, and whoever plays the highest number of that color is the winner. Well, every other color after the lead suit's led is now Trump. But here's the, here's the neat thing, Marty. It has what they call a misery color. Okay, you with me so far? Sure. All right. So basically, you look at your hand of 15 cards if it's a four player game, and you look at it and you say, hey, this color is going to cause me misery. So every trick you take, it's worth one card's worth one point. But if you take your misery, it's the face value of the cards. And in a four player game, it's zero to 11. I thought my neighbors and Donna would love this. Absolutely love it. I said, it's a card game. Guess what? No, the, the, they yeah. hated it. They absolutely, really? oh man. It says 30 minutes to play. We played for two hours. And let me just oh my say. Gosh. Well, is it a, is it a trick taking bidding game like Old Pashaya is? It's a trick taking game, but instead of bidding, it's based on the number of cards you take to win your score. Mm. And a negative score can sometimes win. The the whole thing just threw them off. I think I'm going to give it another try, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to try with them. I think I lost them on it. One of the big games at Gen Con was Mysterium. Now, Tony, you got the uh, Polish version of this game uh, last year. We got to play it at BGG Con, and you actually got a copy. Mm-hmm. It is published by uh, Libelid, Libelid. Uh, so they came out in a version over here. So uh, Tony, I was going to give you a quick comparison of the two, okay? Okay. Plays pretty much the same way. The whole thing is, is that you're doing a seance, and there's a ghost that's trying to give clues to um, the other players in order to determine, like in Clue, it's like somebody was murdered, who murdered them, where they were murdered, and what they were murdered with. Now, right off the bat, Tony, the best thing about this game by far is the ghost board. I don't know if you've seen this. No, I haven't. But it... Oh, dude, I got to show you. It is like a board game type board with little pockets. Mm -hmm. So then it's a screen with the pockets and you put all the cards in there so you know what each person's trying to go for. No flipping through cards anymore. You can see it right in front of you. Great. So here are the two main things that are different about it. One is it has these things called clairvoyance tokens. So when people make their choices of what they think uh, the clue is or what they're trying to solve, you have the option to bet with them or against them. Like, I think you're right or I think you're wrong. And you try to earn points. And the purpose of those points is to try to get enough so at the end, you're able to see more clue cards to determine who the final culprit is. So let's jump straight to the end. At the very end, 
three cards are going to be uh, used to try to uh, give you a clue as to who was the uh, final culprit. And depending on the number of clairvoyance tokens you have is how many tokens you get to see, one, two, or three. One of the biggest gripes people have, Tony, I don't know if you know this, at this point, people can't talk. Uh-huh. You get to talk the entire time. This is a co-op game. But in that last segment, you don't get to talk. You just got to do a blind bid and hope everybody uh-huh. is, is done on, on majority. Whoever says the most, uh, that's going to be, be the one. So that part's kind of weird. And a lot of people don't like that. I can understand that. I mean, the whole part, I mean, to get to the end and not be able to do that. Uh, I don't know. House rule it. House rule. I agree. Well, Marty, heads up. The squirrels are cucking in the trees or is K-U-K, is that the, that's the chatter sound they make, K-U-K, because here comes a Tony rant. Are you ready for it, man? I'm, I'm strapped in. Let's All right, go. Let's go. All right. It's, there's two, two parts of this rant. First off, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but I, I got Scoville and we've been, played it a couple of times and I really enjoyed it. But one of the things that just irks me off, and you know this, is rules, poorly written rules. Now, Oh, but but Tony, the Scoville rules are pretty straightforward, and Rodney Smith does a watch it played. And wait a minute, hold on, flag. If Rodney Smith does a watch it played. That tells me there's something wrong with the rules right there, because he's got to come out and talk to us. <laughs> hold on, I think you're making a big leap here. I don't think that's necessarily true. Okay, maybe it's not true. That's fine. I'll deal with that. But in the Scoville rules, and this just Mm, got to my nerves. Uh, we ran out of one color of peppers and I'm looking through the rule book. I'm like, what do you do with one color of peppers? What do you do if the peppers run out? It doesn't say, it doesn't say. Well, up here in the component list that nobody reads is there's 134 pepper tokens. Asterisk. What? An asterisk? Oh, if you run out of peppers of a certain color, the peppers are infinite. Wait a minute. In the components, you put a rule that's just, oh, that just irritated the mess out of me, Marty. I just couldn't believe they did that. Have you ever seen that? No, that is kind of odd. So you got to the point, I guess uh, you would think it'd be in the gameplay pages where it says, oh, if this condition happens, do this. Mm-hmm. But they put that in the, like, the first or second page in the component list. Right. And maybe I missed it in the rules, but I read and read and I didn't see it. And the other thing is, you know, this was the other one. This will be a quick rant because I'm almost out of time was there was a game that I was very excited about that came out for that was they were going to demo at Gen Con. And that was Central City Heroes. Sounded really cool. Well, they released the Kickstarter, which has been canceled. And that was like a $90 game to kick to back. And I'm like, why so freaking much? And it's because they put miniatures in the game. $45 only for the miniatures. $90 for the stupid game. Go to Standy's, people. Come on. Figure this out. That's just ridiculous. You got a good game? If it's a good game, it should stand on its own. Miniatures shouldn't sell a game. I'm out. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Well, it's time of the show y'all have been waiting for. It's time for Marty and I to discuss and review two recent card games, the Versus System and Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix. And so, guys, this is what we're going to do first. We're going to sit and we're going to talk about Versus, you know, by Upper Deck Entertainment. And Marty and I played a while back the original Versus, and we were very, we were excited about this, getting this out, weren't we, Marty? Yes, we were. Okay, careful. (laughs) 
Careful there. Oh, you wanted me to expound more upon that. No, no, don't hurt yourself. Save yourself for this segment, okay? Don't don't hurt yourself on this. So anyway, I was so excited. Marty brought it back from Gen Con. I was like, oh, please, 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 another good card game that I can waste my money on. And I was excited for this. And so we got we sat down, played it one um we got a play date. Um, our wives let us out of the house and we were able to go play. And we we started off with verses. You know, we don't go into the rules very often, but let me just say this. Overall, and Marty, I know you'll jump in here, is basically you're two teams of superheroes battling against each other, okay? The world is not right, and in, and in this, you know, versus system 2PCG, that you are you either have the X-Men or the Avengers, and you can mix and match, but the, the start-off teams are X-Men and Avengers, right, Marty? Uh, there's also Guardians of the Galaxy and Villains. Oh, I forgot. That's right. Yeah, there's four different decks. There's four different decks. I forgot about that. It was just that I was so bummed out that I got stuck with... Um, oh, I didn't get stuck. I picked the Avengers with Spider-Man. He got his butt handed to him. Spoiler right there. People will rem- uh, remember this is actually a remake of a game that came out in 2004. Upper Deck first introduced this game then. And Tony, mm-hmm. you and I actually bought a lot of cards in this game. You and I were playing this game pretty early on. Yeah, and now you're going to expound on it. Thank you. <laughs> Well, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying that, uh, in fact, I think I just threw it. Last year, I threw away all my versus cards because I knew I wouldn't use them anymore. I kind of wish I'd kept a handful of them. Just for uh, comparison, for compar- yeah. For comparison purposes because I didn't realize, you know, they're going to be rebooting it. But, yeah, you and I played uh, for a little while. And for some reason, it didn't really it didn't really grab us like other card games did at that time. No, it didn't. I think, you know, between the art and, and certain things about the gameplay. And I think... I think we were in such love with the um, Lord of the Rings TCG um, resource management pool that just spoke to us, and we were just we were coming off that high. I think you're right, and I think there was some mechanics that were kind of I don't know they felt a little dodgy to me. But what they've done with this game is they've totally streamlined those mechanics. There are some things that I used to have issues with that have been totally taken care of now. Right. It, it, and that's got to be the resources for me. No, there is something different in that. There's actually what we used to have, and I don't know if you remember this at all. There was this thing called threshold cost. Now, let's just talk about how resources work in this game period. So to, like Tony said, there's two teams that are going to fight each other. At the beginning of your turn, you can put down one card as a resource. In this new version, it's just like the wild TCG was the world of Warcraft. If anybody played that any card can be a resource and you put it down and you build up one per turn. Okay. How about this? If you're playing hearthstone now, it's the same concept, one resource per turn. So you start out with only one and go up from there. In this game, you have uh, resources are uh, called locations. The, the locations that can do things for you, they come in face up and they have icons on there that can be used to pay for abilities on other cards. If you don't have any locations, you can take any card you want, put it face down as a resource, just like WoW. Now, Tony, in the original, they used to have this thing called threshold cost, to where uh, there was also uh, plots, uh, plot cards that could also go into play. But before you could use those cards or abilities, you had to have X amount of resources in play before they could be activated. That was called the threshold. And you had to exceed that. Now, so that's the resource. Maybe that's what that's probably what you're referring to. That's totally changed. That doesn't exist anymore. The the instead of the plot cards being in your resource pool, they're actually in your hand like instance now. I said plot cards called plot twist. So what what is the final overview from? I mean, they're battling out. They've got to beat the hero, right, Marty? You've got to 
take out the other guy's special hero. There's all heroes in the deck, but you've got to go after their main hero that can level up during the game. The rest of them, no, that's not how it is. But but these main heroes that you can pick from, they're, they're the ones. You've got to protect him. He's the guy that's got to stay alive, and that's how you win. Kind of like the hero in World of Warcraft and, you know, um, Magic the player. I mean, let's not even compare it to Magic. But Well, I mean, no, that's, that's a good point. It's like the Planeswalker. Um, and Magic, you're the Planeswalker. It's that sort of deal, except there's not a card representing the, the Planeswalker. Which, actually, you bring up another great point. The main character is something that's different from the original. The original didn't have that. Right. The original was just basically just like Magic. Any damage that exceeded uh, the, the unit's defense that were being attacked carried over to the controller. And once they took 50 damage, the controller, the game was over. In this game, you pick a main character, like you said, where you're trying to keep him alive. And once he meets the amount of uh, his life points or once they're exhausted, then then he's killed. Game over. So another big mechanic, but it's one that makes a big difference. Like I said, you're trying to protect this guy. So you're trying to put out guys out there that can make sure to protect him. Maybe you put them on the back row. And this is just like the original game. In Versus, there's a front row and a back row, a support row. And if you're in the support row and you have a ranged ability, you can shoot the guys on the front row on the other side. If you have ability called Flight, you can actually attack the guys on the back row. So again, you have this formation. And we did like that in the original, the whole formation concept of like there's guys on the front doing melee. There's guys in the back doing ranged or you can protecting them. So you might want to take your main character and put them in the back row to protect them from those guys that are attacking. And those guys will have to attack through the front row before they can even get to you. So it totally changes the game with that main character. And as you said, there's a level up ability. So all these characters have these uh, ways to gain XP. It may be uh, every time you play a resource, you gain XP. Um, If uh, Deadpool is a a tough one, it's like if he, if everybody on the other, on the opponent's team is stunned, then you gain XP. But after so many amount of XP, you bring in your level two character, which has an additional ability and a little bit more health. I really like that mechanic. I don't know if it's the way it always is, Marty, in many games you've played with your sons, and I know your sons bought this game, if they are quickly leveling up their heroes or not. But it seems like when you and I played, that's what I, that was our initial goal. How can I level this character up? Well, sure, because uh, you want to get to that uh, other special ability that would be on that uh, level two card, mm-hmm. um, w- which is really nice. So again... The main character does change how this game is played. The damage is done different too, which I appreciate. If you exceed, uh, it's, it's the same sort of mechanic of there's an attack and defense. And if you exceed the other player's defense, they're going to take basically a wound or become stunned. It doesn't matter how much you beat them by. If you attack me with an attack of eight and my defense is only two, I'm still going to only take one wound. I like that. So it's very simple. You meet or exceed it. He becomes stunned, flips over, takes a wound. If he only has a wound of one, he's, he's dead. And that works for the main character also. Once a character is stunned, they can no longer be attacked. So you can't gang up on one person. Once they've taken a, a wound for one round, that's it. One thing I want to point out there, Marty, is you know, in these decks, everybody's like, wow, won't it take forever? That's one thing I was, when you first told me this, I was like, won't it? But then you start looking. The wounds are your one, two, three. The main hero, I think, is what, six? I think six, yeah. yeah. So it's not like you're having to build up to 20 or anything like that. Correct. That's a very good point. Yeah. Most of these guys are ones and twos. One shot and and then they're gone. 
so that's kind of almost the basic rules. Basically, you, you put out one resource, you tap or exhaust your resources to play cards from your hand, and you can uh, set up a formation of front row and back row. You have plot twists, which are instants, which can do abilities. Uh, some of your cards may have powers that can be activated if you have location cards in play, and you flip over location cards showing that you've used or, or used that symbol for, for activating something. So the big thing is the text on the cards, right? It's Spider-Man has special abilities, Captain America has special abilities i remember press professor x's because his is cool he can actually move somebody from like the back row to the front row so you can attack them i just happen to remember his thing but so it's all about the characters and i think they did a really good job of some of these characters are giving them abilities of, of what you would think they would have in the comics so but one thing we didn't touch on and i hope i'm not throwing you off here marty something about that resource row that i really liked in this version of having like Marty said, you, you, any card can be a resource, and if it is not a location, then you just flip it over. So it can be you know, a hero that you don't need or a special power you don't need or uh, an action that you don't need. But one of the things on the locations, they have various symbols. And I, don't, and I know we didn't mention this. And those symbols— Well, I did mention it if you were, if you were listening to me. I was listening. Ahead. Did you really say that? I don't think you mm-hmm. said that. But go ahead. You'll probably explain it better than what I will. Go ahead. Okay. So basically, yeah, those, there's the fist. There's the technology, which is—and then the atom. And what are some of the other ones? There was another one. Oh, crap. Yeah, there's, there's four of them. There's four of them. And I can't remember the fourth one, but that's okay. There's four of them. But anyway, when you expand it, that card flips over. And if Marty's already said that, then fast forward, and now we're starting back. So that's <laughs> what I really liked, okay? Did, what did you do? Did you, like, walk away from the mic when I was saying that or what? I don't remember you saying that. Let's go back and play the tape. Maybe I just didn't explain it very well. But anyway, so, and, then, and then, you know, you and I played uh, World of Warcraft. You remember the, they had quest cards? It was kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. You could do quest, and once you activate the quest, it flipped over, and, and that was it. So I really uh, appreciate uh, that mechanic. So there is the slow build. You start with one resource, and it, and it, and it builds up over time, too. Eventually, you can get out the big dudes like... Uh, Colossus and you know uh, the the bigger dudes that you w- could have in your in your deck. Uh, team attacks. This is pretty cool. If you build a deck with the same team, like the Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy, and you have two guys on the same road, they can go in and ad- attack together. Uh, that's kind of a slick how they can kind of build that superhero concept where hey, Avengers assemble, let's go out and attack Professor X. Which I don't know why they'd want to do that because they're kind of on the same side, but they do. Yeah, well, he did something. He kicked him out of school or something. But you're right. It's that slow build. That's one thing about the game. So, you know, just like Hearthstone, play a couple rounds, play a couple rounds. It's kind of like the Jaws theme. Da 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 da. And then all of a sudden, da 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 da. And you're, you're there. You're attacking. And now you've really got, if, and if one guy's not getting the right cards and they're not getting that defense built up, then yeah, it's going to be bam, bam, bam. It's over. Let's restart this game. That's really about all there is to it. It's really a straightforward game. With it coming from uh, being designed in 2004, they did change a couple things to kind of tweak it. I will say I definitely appreciate it a lot more than the version in 2004. They're not going to just do Marvel superheroes. Upper Deck also has the Predator IP. They have the Aliens IP. So almost guaranteed you're going to see this system support those IPs. But here's what I'm hoping for, Tony. Please, Upper Deck, please get the DC license. Who has it? They have it now, don't they? DC deck building game? That's Cryptozoic. That's Cryptozoic. That's right. Man, see, everybody, just come together, people. Make us happy. 
<laughs> and honestly, uh, obviously, WizKids has uh, some of that too because they have the uh, Dice Masters. I mean, it's not like DC wouldn't sell them another license, right? No, I agree. And Upper Deck has said we are trying to get that license, so they know that's something that people will will want to do. But it is if you're looking for a a comic themed card game well this is kind of really your only choice right now so a lot of people are excited to, to see it come back a lot of people were buying it up and playing it at gen con so it's back tony let's let's get into some of the nitty-gritty some of some of the reviews now we just talked about kind of overview and the rules and everything what do you think about the rules i mean as the game itself complex not complex would it be easy to teach I mean, obviously it was easy to teach because you taught me. So um, from that standpoint, it was, yeah, seriously. I mean, it's very quick. We sat down, you explained it to me. We went through one or two rounds. Bam, I understand the game. Now, did my knowledge of how card games, I mean, when you said it's like, wow, when we played a World of Warcraft card game, I was like, okay, I understand the resource level. So if you know magic and, and how those resources work, this is going to be no brainer for you. I didn't find the cards that complex. I'm sure that eventually, you know, certain combos, which we didn't get to see will come out and things like that. I found it to be very straightforward. So no, I, I, how about you? Do, I mean, you, you had the boys taught it to one another and they taught it to you. What did you think? No, I totally agree. It's one of those things that if you have a lot of familiarity with first and second generation CCGs, first generation being like magic, second generation being like World of Warcraft, you're going to find this very easy to pick up. This isn't the level of complexity of, say, Netrunner. Oh, no, no, no. no. I mean, nowhere close to that, right? I mean, this is really, if you've played a CCG before, any basic one, then you're going to pick this right up. So if you're worried about it's going to be too overly complex for you to pick up, it's not. It's really straightforward, and somebody can teach you, and you can easily teach other people. Right, and I think probably the most complex thing, Marty, of this whole game was flight, range, front row, back row. I think if you get those four, those flight, range, front row, back row. Yeah, those four had to use my fingers to get down and understand how they all work. I think you got this game. And I didn't mention that's actually streamlined from the original version. I don't know if you remember this, but you had to to support somebody. They had to be directly behind that person. So there was a person on the front row that, that blocked the person that was directly behind them. That doesn't matter here. It's just there's a front row and a back row. Again, they simplified that. Thank you so much, Upper Deck, because that was kind of a, a thing that you had to work with, too, in the original game. That's like a bad dream. That just came flooding back, dude. Oh, I remember yep. that. Remember that? Yeah, oh. you had to set up formations where one was blocking another. And you had to determine, well, I guess I want this guy blocking this guy. Nope, doesn't matter anymore. As long as there is a face-up character in the front row, the guys in the back row cannot be hit unless somebody has flight on the other team. So rule complexity, fairly simple. But but let's talk a little bit. Let's let's throw a negative out there, Marty, because it's not okay. always rosy in the superhero world. Okay. What what was the big negative that that I immediately picked up on and you just started laughing at? And the gameplay and mechanics? No, 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 no. I'm, I moved on. The gameplay, I, I didn't see any negatives there. What was the one thing that, that's sticking out to me as far as negative? Components. Components. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you start because I've got a Marty rant that's coming, and I just got to breathe for a second. So anyway, Marty goes, and he's and we're setting up the game, and he throws out these components, and he puts them down in front of me, and I'm like, really? You couldn't have found – I mean, guys, we used heavy stock paper for these components as far as counters and things like that. Give me a break, guys. You can find cardboard cheaper than that. What were you trying to save money on here? Come on. So, Marty, take it away. 
Oh my gosh, here we go. Let's just start with the easy ones. The tokens, the tokens that they give you for the plus one, the plus one, the damage, the XP. Dude, how big are those things? They are the size of, what is something that small to even compare it to? An eraser head. For those of you who who know what a pencil is, it's an eraser. It is literally just a little bit bigger than that. On this cheap cart, even my sons were going, what is the deal with this? Come on, guys, give us something like a, at least a dime or nickel-sized token. So that was my first thing. But here's the thing, Tony, that I just cannot believe. What is Upper Deck known for? Where did they, how did they even get into business? I, I, I think maybe in 1989 they released an incredible baseball card set. Yes. Tony, what made that baseball set so incredible? The incredible photography and card stock. Upper Deck, you know how to make a decent card. You've been doing it since 1989. You introduced the premium baseball card, and you're going to give me these cards with this thinner type of cardboard that's flimsy. I mean, Tony, here's how bad it was. The boys got the box at Gen Con. They took off the cellophane. They started sorting them. They left their room, came back to the hall. I said, what are you guys doing here? And they said, well, we started sorting the cards, but the edges started fraying as we were handling them. So they went and spent their own money, went over to Ultra Pro's booth, got card protectors, and went back and sleeved them all. Wait a minute. I, so you didn't, oh, you let, you left that one out for me. Really? It's, oh my heaven. Yes. Let me ask you something, Tony. This is just off the cuff. I know you're going to get the right answer. If you're collecting baseball cards, what is the one year that is one of the hardest to find in really good condition? 1971 tops, black border. Why is that? Because the black will chip away and then you lose the value. It's hard to maintain a pristine, hard, dark border. Guess what the color of the border is on these cards? Black. Black. And they're using that thin card. Oh my gosh. I could not believe it. I mean, honestly, when I opened the Upper Deck box, again, it's because of my experience with Upper Deck. Okay, I'll stop. I know I've ranted long enough about it. Yeah, we got to cover another game, dude. I know. I'm just so disappointed in the quality of the the cards and the tokens for this. If you buy this game, plan on sleeving your cards or they're going to look like poop after you deal with them for a while. Just go ahead and go out and buy a bunch of sleeves. Okay, (sighs) that's enough on components. So... Let's get to the end here. Let's go ahead and give this thing a score. Well, hey, man, before we go there, let's just make one more comment. Sure. The When I posted out an Instagram, somebody came back and said, I am so tired of seeing the same Marvel art. Mm. I mean, I didn't even start. And he basically was saying that Wolverine card is the same. Wolf. I bet you could go and look for that Wolverine picture and it would be number one hit on Google. Okay. So that's the other thing. Don't think you're getting this new fancy, you know, clean art. And when we talk about another game, the other game, Ash is coming up, we'll lead into that. But anyway, yeah, art. The, the, and you know what? And the art is, is a lot of stock art, like you said. Um, it's different artists doing it, so it's not consistent. Not that that's a bad thing. Like, for some reason, the Deadpool card, I just don't like the art on that at all. It, but it's, it's different taste. My sons actually like the Deadpool art, but I didn't. So... It's a bunch of different artists. It's a lot of stock photos, like you said. I've heard a lot of the same issues, the art, the same way you have. So what were you saying before I threw you off track there? Oh, no, I didn't. I was just ready to move on and give this thing a score. I'm oh. still upset about the card stock, but anyway. Summing it up for me, and then Marty, you run your sum up for, for what you'd give it on the score. First off, ease of gameplay, that's great. I, I appreciate that. You know, 
when you're trying to introduce someone into a CCG world and you don't want to break down and buy My Little Pony or Pokemon or something like that, and you and everybody loves superheroes, that you know that they, they got it here. But overall, for me, this is a good game. It's dated. I don't think I would be willing to go out and invest in this. Uh, wow, you must have uh, somewhat read my notes. So, for a superhero card game, it's the it's the best one on the market. <laughs> I can maybe the only one on the market. Um, they are going to come out with a lot of different IP. It's very easy to pick up. But Tony used the word I was going to use. It's dated. It feels like a game that was made in two thousand four. Um, after we've played games uh, such as uh, Netrunner, all these different new mechanics that we've been doing lately, to go back and play a game that is really that first-gen, second-gen CCG, it just didn't do it for me, man. So like you, it is, it's a good game, and it was, it was almost a verge of being it's just a game. But I, I think it's enough of a good game to where people enjoy My kids enjoy it. I think for younger people, I think it's a great way to get them into a collectible card game because it's so easy to pick up and the characters are recognizable. So if you want to get kids into playing this game, please do because I think this is a good way to get them into this style of, of game. The uh, The expansions are going to come out every three to four months, so it's not like magic. It's not like blind booster packs or anything. It's like an LCG, but they can't use the term LCG. So in that aspect, I think it's definitely, for me, it's it's just a good game. And like you, Tony, I won't be buying any more. If they come out with the DC, maybe just to have the DC characters, but that's about it. Hey, Marty, I know Gen Con's over, but Portal Games did not rest on their laurels with Ties of Time or Rattle Battle Grab the Loot. They've even announced more expansions for two of their common games that are out there. First off, Theseus is getting the expansion, The Hunters, Theseus, The Dark Orbit. And then also something that both you and I are very excited about from the standpoint of a recent game that we found that's been out there forever, and that is Steel Police. That's right. That's a new expansion coming out for Nurashima Hex. It's the, it's the next faction that's going to be available and one that uh, Tony, you and I are very excited about because we love our Nurashima Hex and the more factions we have to choose from, the more fun that we'll have. Yeah, and what's really neat is this Theseus, if you haven't heard about it, go take a look. It's by the same designer who did Nurashima Hex, so definitely give that a look. So the second LCG-ish, because they can't use that term type game we want to talk about, is Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born from Plat Hat Games. This game is designed by Isaac Vega, and all the art is done by Fernanda Suarez. This is a game that was a limited release at Gen Con, but did really well. Sold 700 copies at Gen Con, had 1,500 pre-orders uh, that was sold before that, and this game is going to be coming out uh, like in the uh, September time frame. This is a game that stood out to me first and foremost for one thing when I saw a picture. And Tony, that was the dice. Wait, it's like, wait a minute, excuse me. We're going to have like an LCG type game with dice as the resources? I'll sum it up for me. Dice, cards, winner. That's all there is to it. Okay. So yeah, the, the dice. Amazing. Amazing. Just the, the whole concept of we've got plenty of games of rolling dice and, and things like that. How are they going to pull it in? I mean, we saw it at BGGCon. How's he going to make this happen? And I'm with you. Dice, that's that's pretty neat right there. Especially as a resource mechanic. We've seen dice before as an attack mechanic mm -hmm. where you're rolling dice to do damage. But what about these resources? So... 
let's just talk about how this works. So the idea of the ashes of the rise of the Phoenix born, and, there, and there's a whole story behind it where all these uh, mages or their spellcasters, Phoenix born, are now out there and they're battling each other. And each of these guys can cast spells to conjure other units and stuff to come and help them fight battles. And in that aspect, is pretty typical. In a two-player game, you're trying to destroy the other person's Phoenix born. They have a certain amount of life on their card. You're trying to take them down to zero. That part is pretty much basic. But from there, it really steps into new territory. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the rolling of the dice to be able to say, hey, here are your ways of spending resources. I, I, I love that. I love how the hero was out there. So you have your battlefield and each hero is different and you have your, your spell board, which tells you how many spells the hero can, can have at their disposal. I, I think of them, they got a little mini spell book that they got to go flip through real quick. Okay, I can only have four spells in my spell book. You know, that's all I can memorize or something. Either way. That's actually a good way to, to say it. It's like the more powerful mages may have more spells at their disposal, uh, whereas some others may have uh, be able to support a larger battlefield it's like you said each of the mages have two unique numbers associated with them a number for their battlefield and another for their spell board which is the number of units they, they can deploy and the number of spells they can have in play and the whole purpose of dice is is there's three icons on each dice and there's three different colored dice and um, each one represents a different magic maybe there's natural magic uh, arcane magic so there's different types of magics available so each mage may cast a different type of magic when you roll the dice they have some on them that are used to pay for cards or they're so they're basically their resources so there's icons on there that maybe i remember the na- nature has a frog on it mm-hmm. the the rarest one on there is a frog so you might have a card that requires a frog die so you take it you exhaust it move it from your available pool to your exhausted side and then you can put that card into play but what's unique about it and we're going to keep talking about how they've mitigated the luck of bad dice rolls or how the dice works where it doesn't really hurt you the frog is the rarest on there. Then there's another medium uh, range resource that there's two of. Yeah, the leaf and the and the common symbol. Yeah, and then the three. There's three of the others. Mm-hmm. The frog can be either the lower two, the leaf can be itself, and the lower one, the common, and then the common can just be the common. So if you roll a good roll. Well, guess what? I mean, you, it can be any of those resources. And your turn is so straightforward. You have a main action. You have a side action. You must always take a main. And a main is going to be playing a card from your hand. Or a main will be doing an attack. Uh, the cost of the card, there's a little icon that represents main. And this is when I taught this game. And I've now taught it to nine people. The, the earliest thing, Yeah. The earliest thing that they had the hardest time picking up on was there's an icon for the main action. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the cards represent it just has that icon plus other icons of the dice that you need play that card or activate that spell. So putting a card in play, putting you into play or playing a spell or attacking somebody might be an example of a main action. Then there's a side action, which is an option. And some of your cards may have a side action, which is a diamond symbol. So there'd be a diamond symbol, then some other cost beside it saying this is a side action. But one of the side actions is, and here comes to mitigating bad luck of the roll. They have this option where you can meditate, where you can discard a card from your hand, discard a card from the deck, or discard a card from your spell board. And you can take a die and rotate it to any side you want. You had bad luck with the die. You need that one extra frog discard a card as a side action flip it to the side you need take your main action and then pay for that card with that frog that you just generated holy cow that mechanic right there 
blew me out of the water. I know it sounds so simple, but when you're sitting there thinking, oh, dice rolls, oh, I'll, I'll roll bad at dice. They took care of it for you. The dice are nothing more than just resources. That's it. It's just a 10 resources that you can use every round to get stuff out. And what is so cool about that, and for Marty, it was meditate. Mine was mediate. His, his card read different than mine. <laughs> mediate. So we brought these two dice together and we worked it out. Well, they worked it out. So and it is meditating. I kept calling it mediate. So anyway, but yeah, Marty, that was just so, and, and you're absolutely right. The fact that you look at the card and if that symbol says that's a main action, you know what you got to do. You got to plan it out. If you know it's a side action, then it's right there on the freaking card. Now, one thing about that is, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to use a card right now. Oh, look, over here, you can use those other actions on the card. Because on that card where the dice are, at the bottom, there's also stuff you can do. Also, your, yes. he, your hero has an action, that, or your phoenix born can, has an action that, that can be either a main action. or Was there any side actions on any of the heroes? I, I yes, to, there are. Some of the heroes have uh, phoenix born have a side action. And you're talking about the special dice abilities, right. which is a side action. And each of the colored dice ha, has a special ability. Like mm -hmm. One of them was the pink die, is where you can take the most powerful icon, if you had rolled it, and put it on one of your units, and it gets a plus one attack. Or you can make somebody exhaust one of their dice and move it from their available pool to another pool. So there's even uh, different dice actions that are available to you. Now, another one of the main actions, and I thought this was pretty cool, is pass. You always have to take a main action, but that main action may be pass. But you can, and a side action is optional. So you could take a side action to meditate and flip a die to what you need. But you can only take one side action per turn. So, Tony, if you and I were playing each other, and let's say, for example, I see this really powerful unit that you want to summon. And we'll talk about the ready spells in a second because I think they're pretty cool, too. And you need, like, two particular die, and you take a meditate action, and then you, have, and you can't do anything else. And you say, pass. When it comes to me, I'm sitting there thinking... Geesh, next time if he meditates again, he can get the die to what he needs it and then bring out that big thing that I don't want to deal with. If we pass consecutively, the turn's over. Right. So you're trying to set up something, and if I go pass, I just forward your plans. And it's like, well, we just ended the round. Now we're going to reroll. But wait, wait. Maybe you thought you foiled my plans, but you really didn't. Not too much, that is, because you don't have to roll all your dice at the start of the round, do you, Marty? You do not. You have the choice to keep some bah, and just bah. roll the others. Yep. You exhaust whatever dice you want to re-roll, otherwise you keep them in play. So even though you may have cost, uh, done a, me a meditate action, uh, you can just keep that dice for the, the turn in the future. That's pure gold, Jerry. Pure gold right there. <laughs> That's gold, Jerry. It's gold. Gold. Yeah, you can do that. You got that strategy going. So right now, guys, you're hearing us say, there's strategy right there. There's also strategy. You roll 10 dice. Oh, I resources 10 that's nothing i can figure that out that is probably one of the most intense part of the game making how can i manipulate all these these 10 resources thank goodness it's only 10 because my brain would explode and then be able to get the most bang for your buck there and it's very important that you look at it this way so i, I think we spent enough time on resources yeah <laughs> let's talk about the spell board for a second but before we go there, let me say one last thing about the, the stuff. There's a lot to it, but as you can tell from Marty and I, it's genius right there in how they use the dice. I agree. Spellboard. Spellboard. So here's another unique thing about this game. 
something called conjurations. When you start, uh, when you play in the game, you can have these ready spells that you can put into your spell board. Typically right now, the majority of these ready spells are for conjuring units to put into play. Let's say, for example, there's a guy that can conjure a demon or there's a guy that can do a, um, I was going to say rhino hero. Wow. Iron rhino uh, that can come into play. You pay the, the cost in dice and you take it. There, there's a separate pile of cards that you have called conjurations. You take it and put it to play. What's unique about this is when that unit is killed, it doesn't go in your discard pile. It just goes back to your conjuration pile. So you're not limited by the number of conjurations you can put out, except unless you can pay for or the size of your battlefield. So some of these units you're not having to draw into. Just have the spells available, and then you can just conjure them constantly. So it's not like, oh, I've only got three Iron Rhinos in my deck, and I've seen them all, now they're gone. Nope. As long as you have a ready spell sitting there, you can call it every single time. And that's big. That's that's kind of not, you're not having to dig through a deck. So that's, I, I really, really like that, Marty. I thought that was a really neat effect. Oh, no, I just lost my big Rhino. I will never get him back. Nope. Nope, he just goes right back in there and you can, if you got him ready and you can pull him out and the right dice are there, bam, here he comes. So that is really neat. And thematically it works mm -hmm. because your mage is right. You should be able to conjure whatever you want as many times as you want, as long as you have the resources to do it. Now you are now that in your draw deck, you do have allies that you can come out and put into play and they'll go into your battlefield. And when those are killed, those are discarded. So those are limited in your draw deck, but your conjurations are just as many as you can do. Did I fall asleep when you said the max size of the draw deck? I did not. And that's a, an important point. Why don't you go ahead and make that point? Well, the point is, and I'm going to get it wrong because I did this just so he would say it because I'm going to forget, but it's 30 cards, right, Marty? 30 cards, men max. And yeah. At the beginning of every turn, you can discard any number of cards you want and draw back up to five. What happens if you can't draw any cards at the beginning of your turn to draw back up to five? I win. Wrong. No, I, I well, that's what I did to you, and I won. So it doesn't... No, no, no. I, oh, <laughs> if you can't draw cards, then you take hits against your Phoenix more. You take damage. Yep. For every card you can't draw, you take direct damage against against your Phoenix Sworn. So that's huge. Remember when I talked we talked about the meditate? And it's like you guys are probably thinking, oh well, I'll just discard all the cards I want to get the dice to what you want. Nope. You've only got 30 cards in your deck. You can't do that too many times or you'll run out of your draw deck. Again, very balanced. They know that some people would build like build like a 60-card deck and just discard all their cards to kind of get the dice to work the way they want. Nope. 30 max, 30 men. You better be careful doing a lot of that meditate or in the end of the game, you won't have any cards drawn. You'll take damage. And that's why, Marty, the conjuration, that is why having them right there at your disposal, not part of your deck, is so important. I think with that, if they had tried to do it any other way, it wouldn't have worked. And another mechanic that stands out about this game over other games. This is so obvious. It's brilliant. As a player... You pick your starting five cards. Every other game you and I have played, Tony, you draw five cards or seven cards, and maybe you get a mulligan to try to draw into what you want. With this game, if you have a strategy with your deck, you pick the five starting cards to start the game to go ahead and begin your engine or your combo building. Boom, you're off and running. You don't have to wait. You don't have that slow Jaws effect of nah, nah, nah. It, nope. You are, that, the shark is biting at your ankles. He's ready to go. So you gotta be, you gotta be thinking. So this game does not start slow. It's not a build. 
you're ready to go. And it's so amazing. Now, one thing, focus. Focus on the spell card. Oh, that oh. was brilliant. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you can have the th- uh, three uh, copies of every single card. And so you can have three copies of your ready spell. Let's say, for example, your Phoenix Born can only have four cards in their spell board. If you have multiple copies of one card, it only counts as one slot. So if I have, I'm just going to do, because I mentioned earlier, Summon Iron Rhino. If I start out with Summon Iron and I draw a Summon Iron Rhino, I can play it on top. That still only counts as one slot in my spell board. But here's the beauty of it. That means that I can summon an Iron Rhino twice in one turn if I have the resources. Some of the cards have what they call focus abilities, where the more copies of the same spell you put on them, you get bonus abilities. With the Iron Rhino, for every card you put on top, you decrease the cost of summoning an Iron Rhino by one die. So it starts out costing six if you stack another two cards on it, you can get the cost down to four. Or the deck you let me play with because you knew I would love it, Denial deck, where I'm focusing on something, and if I have to force you to draw a card, I'm both of us have to take some type of damage if we don't draw those cards or, or however it worked. And then once I put focus one on it, focus two on it, bam, I, I didn't take damage anymore, but you did. You know, if, you've, if you didn't... F- draw it and that was just oh that was just so neat how that works so think about it i'm getting better at casting my spells as time goes on thematically it's right there i'm getting better at summoning things i should be able to the the one i summon like iron rhino can it doesn't hurt me as much when i'm casting it or or it doesn't take me as much to 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 take that damage when i focus that spell oh that was just incredible we hadn't even talked about how just the basic fight is now the fighting is pretty basic oh yeah there's an attack value and there's a life value and if you exceed their their life they take a damage and if they take you know so many damage exceeds their life they're destroyed the whole, when you fight against somebody else, that's pretty basic. You also have some uh, units that can block attacks from other units. When you do an attack, you can just send guys out to do an attack. And you can attack a Phoenix Born. If you attack a Phoenix Born, any unit you can select to block. If you attack a unit, a Phoenix Born can come in and, and guard or, or block in those instances. So there's one last mechanic that I think is cool. Most every other game, Tony, when you exhaust a card or you use a card you exhaust it and you typically do that by rotating it 90 degrees correct in this game you put an exhaustion token on there sometimes there's actually a cost on there the exhaustion token has a little icon on it and it says this costs an exhaustion token when you use an exhaustion token you can no longer use uh, do abilities like you if you exhaust a unit he can no longer block he can no longer attack but here's what's unique you say well why don't you just rotate it Because there are some abilities in the game to put multiple exhaustion tokens on one card. And you think, why is that a big deal? Because at the end of the round, you can only remove one exhaustion token per card. So going back to the Iron Rhino thing, let's say I attack with and put an exhaustion token. Tony has the ability to put a second exhaustion token on it. He's basically neutered that Iron Rhino for two rounds. 
He's useless to me till I can get all exhaustion tokens removed. The same thing with spells. Whenever you use a spell, you got to put an exhaustion token on it. There are abilities where you can exhaust somebody's spell before they even use it. So instead of exhaustion of rotating these, these actual tokens, and the reason why is because there could be multiple tokens. Oh my gosh. Again, just so brilliant. Oh yeah. I mean, and that was so much fun to sit there and try to figure out, okay, how am I going to mitigate damage? How am I going to keep you from doing it? And the cards tell you whether or not you can put certain things in, in an area. It's just the cards are very straightforward. I mean, easy to understand. The uh, tokens, I mean, the, the symbols on them, easy to read, very clean. I mean, you would think all these different symbols out of these different dice, they'd be kind of, they get convoluted. No, they're not. They did an excellent job on those symbols. I mean, it's just amazing. The, the gameplay, the overview from the standpoint of how to quickly get in there. Oh, Marty, yeah, let's... It, it it's it's a it's a game that you know I was when we first started playing I was I was dreading I'm like oh my gosh I'm gonna have to learn another card game it's gonna be difficult no it was not difficult for me so just everything we've talked about was very straightforward and very quick to pick up and very thematic so let's jump over real quick to components and art as much as I thrashed upper deck I will praise plaid hat. Tony, those are thick cards. They have beautiful white backgrounds and they have, they gave us big tokens and there's a lot of tokens used in this game. But the thing that stands out that caught my eye, that caught everybody's eye, the artist Fernanda Suarez is an extremely talented artist. The art on this card, these cards are some of the best I have ever seen in a card game. And I mean, ever. I was going to say, do you mean ever? Didn't she do Dead of Winter? She did. And okay, so yes, art blows me away. And it's art that's not uh, like gruesome art. It's uh, it's gorgeous. It, it's really gorgeous. I mean, give me a poster of some of the Phoenix Born. They could sell posters probably of these things and, and they would look, they look great on mats. I mean, the art is, but Marty, that white card there's just something about it. It just stands out for me. I love it. And I love the fact that the backs are different for the, you know, the conjurations versus the spell deck, you know, all that's, yep. all, all that's just right there. But that white card with that incredible art, gorgeous. It looks incredible on the table. Tony, you remember that awesome 1989 upper deck baseball card set that we talked about? What was the background color on that? Hmm. I think it was white. It was white. People, here's the thing. White does not show damage. Black shows damage. White looks sharp. You still want to sleeve them to take care of them. But the card design, the card art, the components, top notch. I just can't give any more praise about it. Tony, I don't think we need to ask you what your score is on the RO scale. But why don't you go ahead and summarize and give us your score? Uh, it's just a game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, yes, I was a fool. I didn't pre-order it. I had a lot of hesitations and I'm Marty knows me. I'm all about buyer's remorse and I didn't pre-order it. I'm an idiot. I've got to now get in the pre-order queue at fun again or wherever and, and get my copy done so that I can have my ashes so I can begin to, we can build that community here. Um, the only issue I'm going to have with it is if they, when they get to tournament support and all is I'm carrying dice around, but Oh, upper deck has this incredible vault thing that you can stack all your dice in and all your tokens in. Marty has one of these mega vault boxes, ultra pro, ultra pro, sorry, 
that will carry these things around. 30 cards. I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. Yes, we're gushing over it. Who hasn't gushed over it for me? It's a definite buy for the card lover in you. I, I totally agree. Now, this card, this game too, the updates are only going to come out every three to four months. So it's not that FFG like they're, where they're trying to release eight to, 10, 12, uh, eight to 10 packs per year plus a mini expansion. They said they're going to go easy just like every quarter and release some new cards for the uh, the Phoenix or maybe a new Phoenix born. And once a year, they may release a new color die Ooh. to add some new dynamics and um, uh, into that. So that will be a once a year thing. So you're, it's not a big money pit. Oh, and give credit going back to Upper Deck and this one. They give you every card you need, multiple cards of every card in just one base set. With Fantasy Flight, to get three of everything, you they still make you buy three core sets. And that is so irritating. Not with this game, not with Upper Deck. Buy one core set. You got three of or four, whatever the uh, multiples are on upper deck of every single card to build any deck that you want. Deck building is going to be incredible in this game because not only can you the ten dice you pick, you can pick any. We, they they suggested as five of one color, five of another. There's no reason why you can't do four of one, four of one, and two of another if there's this one special spell that you want to use. So that adds a whole new mechanic, Tony of. What's the combination of dice I'm going to bring into the mm-hmm. game along with the cards? So for me, it's a it's a definite buy, no brainer. I've bought it. I'm happy. I hope we have a community around here that will play. I have not been this excited about a card game since Netrunner, and it's still one of those games. After I finish, I cannot wait to play again. I taught it to three other guys last night, three hardcore gamers. Tony, uh, one of them leaned over to me. Mark said, yeah, I'm going to be buying this game as soon as it's out. Play with another gentleman, and I'm telling Tony so he'll know, Scott El- St. Elmo, mm-hmm. who's a huge Netrunner fan. Oh, yeah. And you could just tell, man, his mind was working. As we were playing this game, he got it, and he just really enjoyed it. So yeah, I've taught uh, inexperienced gamers, and I've taught uh, hardcore gamers. They all tend to love it. Oh, it could be my game of the year. Uh, I can I can fully support that opinion, Marty. But you know, there's still plenty of games to come out. So, pretty bold statement there, buddy. Well, it is. It's August, and I'm, I said it could. I said not is it could. It could right now. It's 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 making a running unless something uh, takes it out. So so hopefully, Plat Hat has like five containers coming across the big ocean. Oh, one thing we didn't the dice. You know the 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 weight of the dice. Oh, they, they're they're solid dice. I'll give them that. This isn't Dice Master's dice. No, these are this ooh. is huge, heavy, gorgeous custom dice. Kind you can wrap your hand around and go. Oh, these feel good. Let, let, let's get these things rolled. And I will say this, Marty. You know, we talked about in the previous episodes how Netrunner was our lunchtime game. I think this one can get in during lunch. It's that it's less than an hour game. Once you know your cards, bam, 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 you're done. Easily. It could be a 30-minute game. And that's what's unique about it, too. You think you may be rolling, I would mention Dice Masters, where you roll the dice a lot. I've played games of this where I've only rolled, like, dice four times. That's how long the turns take. Because after you roll the dice, then you're spending all your time spending dice, attacking, and everything. So a turn can last a while. And I've had a game be over in just three or four turns. Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born by Plat Hat Games, Isaac Vega, it's going to be a big hit. Hopefully they'll continue. Word on the street is they're already testing the next 
the next um, Phoenix born to get out there to get it done um, to get that next uh, expansion ready to go so go out buy it pre-order it comes out sometime in September who knows when the the boats are going to dock I know they got dates out there but who knows when your retailer is going to get in if you love card games it's a great game Well, guys, we've come to the end of a, another incredible, outstanding, we, I, Marty, it's out the park show here. We, we, we hit a home run, with, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this was right in our wheelhouse. You and I have played these style of games for over 15 years. And to be able to have the chance to talk about these two brand new games has been has been exciting. We were excited to see these comes out, come out. I'm glad we got to play them and, and be able to talk about them. But you know what, guys? There's still more on the way. A re, another rehash, as I would call it, is, is fixing to come out as well. And Marty, you were lucky enough to get another copy at Gen Con, right? I was. I was able to get a copy of Mage Wars Academy, mm-hmm. the new uh, system that's going to be coming out from Arcane Wonders. Now, Mage Wars, what they're going to be calling now Arena, has been out for several years. And that is the card game with the very unique mechanic of where all your spells or all your cards are in a book. So there's no drawing. Basically, you flip through the deck or flip through your book, you pull out the cards you want, you pay the mana, and you put it into play. Very cool mechanic. But what they've done is they've come out with a version that is basically just a card game. So it's very much magic-ish or versus-ish or or that sort of thing where there's not a board needed anymore. Uh, In the original game, you had a board where you had locations and ranges and stuff. That doesn't matter anymore. You're putting guys out there. You're fighting each other. And they've done a great job of scaling this game down to something that is very easy to get into, but yet still very fun. Right. So, you know, that was the big thing about Mage Wars. That's one reason we never really got into it was that you, you had to pull out this big board and you had to move the cards around and slide them around. Here, it's basically you're in the octagon. It's time to fight. Let's go. And, and that's what, what um, old Tox has done for Scott Morris over there with Mage Wars Academy. You know, it, it is. It's, it's a fight. Get in there, battle. But, you know, we're going to do a future review on it. But, Marty, I think of, the, of those three games, and, we'll, and we played Mage Wars Academy, so we can kind of sort of judge on that, but not, not doing a good review on it. What do you think, if you were to go out and – Look for, say, kids in the range of, oh, I don't know, 10 to 14. What do you think? Which game would you pick? So we've now moved towards where, where the kids would like this? Yeah, I don't care about the adults. It's all about the kids. Well, gee, Tony, guess what I did tonight? I actually sat down with my 12-year-old and I played oh, Mage really? Wars Academy Wait with a minute, him. You, yes. you actually had a captive audience to where you could test this question <laughs> out? Wow, it's like we set this up. I did. You know, a lot of people have been asking maybe, you know, what's a good game to get kids into and stuff like that? And we thought uh, Mage Wars Academy is another one to consider. So I taught it to my uh, 12-year-old son. He picked it up very easily. He thought the rules are really straightforward. He enjoyed it. The luck-based mechanic of this game is not necessarily drawing cards, but it's the dice rolls. And here, what's different between this and uh, Ashes is that the dice rolls are for fighting. So you can cast guys out there, and there's the mechanics of uh, saying, you know, I want to attack this um, uh, their mage, or I want to attack one of their creatures, and then you roll dice, and and you have hits that are done. There could be shields in place, so that combat is 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 pretty straightforward. He picked it up. He kicked my tail, no problem whatsoever. So I asked him at the end. His name is Brett. I said, Brett, just just out of curiosity, I said, what did you? How'd you like all these games compared against each other? He said, thematic wise, he likes verses. 
he does like the comic book based games. And uh, see, so, so that's really attractive to him. So I said, well, just out of curiosity, if you're going to teach your friends one of these games, what, which one would it be? Without hesitation, he said, Mage Wars Academy. He said, I've picked up on the rules very well. I thought it was really straightforward. There's not the idea of you're having to draw cards. You don't know what's on your deck because when it's your turn, you can just flip through the book and see what you got to work with. He said, my friends may like comic book heroes, but he says, I think they would pick this one up quicker. And if you want to get into Mage Wars at all, Tony, I definitely think Academy is the way to go if you don't want to jump into Arena, which is the, what they're going to call the full game now. You could do this to see if you like it before doing a big investment into the big board game. Yeah, and that, I think that's key. I think that's brilliant all, over there at Arcane Wonders to even to do that, to introduce you to to their game. And, you know, uh, Brett's a smart boy. He's, he can pick up on these. And for him to say, you know, Mage Wars, that's that's kind of telling me he's he's getting away from the comic book guys. And Well, no, he's still no, his favorite theme was still the comic uh, uh, book guys. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying that he was able to break from that to say Mage Wars. Oh, okay. yes, yes. I'm sorry. He wasn't so tainted by, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yes. So from that. And one of the things that, you know, when we pl- were playing it, Marty, I'm like, this is really easy to understand. I mean, you know, you the resources are a mana dial. It's not laying down cards. Cards. It's not dice. It's simply you're 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 storing up mana theme wise. That's right there with it, and I and I really do like that about that. And then just doing damage to one another. And and you're right. The the spell books are great. If you want to teach a, a young child, I would agree with a young child that hey, Mage Wars may be complexity wise not there with Ashes but a little bit higher than versus. The only thing that concerns me is the fact that, and you and I were doing this, uh, what does this term mean? What does this term mean? What does this term mean in Mage Wars? You know, we had to keep flipping back through the book, but once you had that down, it's right there on the card. And so you, you just have to learn it. They did a good job with the glossary in the back of the book. So there were terms you had to look up like pest, you know, or there are things like that, which they didn't explain on the card what that meant, which is fine. Now, I did reach out to um, Scott Mars, Arcane Wonders, and just asked him, you know, with the Academy coming out, I said, how does that relate to Arena? I said, well, like these Arena cards be compatible with Academy and vice versa? He said, here's what's going to happen. He said, all cards that come in the Arena Academy core box and the future Academy cards can translate straight into the Arena. But he says, it, the Arena cards won't officially be compatible with Academy because he said, and I'm just going to use his terms here, he said that could blow the meta up and become a design challenge to balance those cards into academy but the way the academy cards are designed is they can migrate over into arena so one thing that is kind of confusing tony about the academy cards is there's some extra text and icons and information on that card which is not used in academy that is used in arena so you have to kind of bypass that And as you're playing the game it's like well, what does this mean so i'll just ignore it because it doesn't matter in this game so that can kind of throw you off if you're learning the game we're not going to do a full review here even though we got a good start at one Exactly. And Scott did also say that Academy expansions will come out about every four months. So just like Ashes, just like Versus, it's not going to be a huge uh, money pit. It's just every four months, if you want to pick up the new mage and cards for the spell book and maybe some additional cards, then then you can go that route. route. But if you're wanting to get into this universe, definitely step into the Academy first. Because Tony, I looked up the pre-orders for Academy 
are like nineteen twenty dollars. Oh yeah, this is cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, the arena is going to be a lot more because there's a lot more parts to it. There's a whole game board and a lot of tokens and bits and stuff. This will give you enough of a taste if you like this universe and you like the spellbook mechanic. Decide if you want to move into the more advanced. And the advanced is really cool because there's this whole tactical, new tactical feel where orientation and location on the board makes a total difference in how you play the game. Come taste this drug. And now we got you hooked. So here, get something more hefty. Come on, bring it on. Once again, we'll be talking about Mage Wars Academy in a future episode when we get to sit down and try it again. We just wanted to quickly go through that. Um, And so hopefully, guys, um, with that in mind, we're going to let you go. So if you would, do me a favor to keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening to WRDTN, your station for putting those songs in your head that you'll be humming the rest of the day. This next little earworm is from a little folk band in Greenwich Village called The Lovin' Spoonful. Do you believe in magic? So yeah, after listening to this, if you want to get that pre-order in for Ashes, highly recommend you go out to Fun Again Games, get a pre-order in before they all sell out. Marty, is there anything else over there at Fun Again Games I need to pay attention to? Dude, yeah, I think there is. Don't you have interest in Pandemic Legacy? Oh man, there went the cart. But hey, that's free shipping over $80 over at Fun Again Games. Mm